0: I thought we were going to keep going. My Lord. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Come on now. Searched all over. Couldn't find anybody. Anybody. Look high and look low. Still couldn't find nobody. And the reason is, there's nobody greater, nobody greater. God bless you this morning, so glad to be with you. Before I delve into this service, into this sermon, I wanna ask you to be prayerful for the family of Brother Foster Woodrick. Can I tell you that there are some people in our community who are simply good folk, just, just righteous people. Foster Woodrick, who served the Mount Pilgrim Baptist District Association as the president of our Congress of Christian Education for so many years, and who served as the state president of the Congress of Christian Education for so many years, went home to be with the Lord this past week. He was such a good man, such a good man. I don't have any doubt that he was ready to meet Jesus. He helped teach so many people about a loving God and his son Jesus Christ. And so if you will, be prayerful for be prayerful for the Bethel Baptist Church family in Pratt, which we was a member of for years and years. And the Mount Pilgrim Baptist District Association has lost a giant in him being called home. But I also know he's happy because his bride, his high school sweetheart who he was married to for so many years, passed away last year and so now they can be together once again. I tell you, there's a whole lot to be said about living, but when you know the Lord, dying don't necessarily mean something bad, I can tell you that. I know we miss people, but there's a reunion that's going to go on on the other side. The more mature you get in your walk and in your witness, you understand that it's almost like a reunion's getting together on the other side. And that's why you wanna make sure everybody you know knows the Lord, so they can be at that great reunion. I know nobody wants to talk about dying. That's not a topic we wanna to talk about, but it's a reality of life. And so I wanna ask you to please validate his praise, his worship, validate his witness, celebrate his life. Funeral service will be tomorrow, grave side service. Everybody's having grave services these days pray for him. I also ask you to pray for the Harris family. We grew up with the Harris family in West End and Miss Harris passed away this week. Just a good, good woman. Wilma Harris was her name. She had a daycare in West End and a whole lot of babies came through that and pulled on her, her skirt tail. And I'm just thankful for her presence in our lives and what she meant. She was our back door neighbor. You know how that works, right? Not the same street, but right out the back door was her house and so we spent a lot of time with them. God bless you. Today, I want to continue into the sermon series that I started last week. It's a prayer series. Told you we were going to prayer school. We're going to stay in prayer school this week. And last week, we talked about a man after God's own heart. His name was David. So many lessons you can learn from David. But there are other people in the Bible who are also considered prayer warriors. And we're going to turn to one of them today. I guarantee you, he won't be a surprise to you. But I can tell you that some of the lessons that we can learn by looking at his life just might blow your mind, and his name is Daniel. And so this week, this week for our message, we're gonna to turn to prayer lessons from Daniel. Prayer lessons from Daniel, because Daniel can teach us how to be more effective in our prayer. How do I know that? Because Daniel was the one who knew how to pray. Not only did he know how to pray, he was so serious about prayer, he got in trouble for praying. For praying, he got in trouble. For praying. I'm not talking about a little trouble. He got in a lot of trouble for praying, but as as our own friend Congressman John Lewis would say, it was good trouble that he got into for praying. And so if you want to know about praying and how to how to get heaven's attention or God's attention, God's attention to ease, then you turn to somebody who knows how to pray. That makes sense, doesn't it? And not only when he prays that God will answer. Scripture is right here going to teach us. And so the prophet Daniel is our guide. He was considered, watch this now, one of the most righteous men in history. One of the most righteous men in history. He was placed in terms of a chart of people that God showed great favor on Old Testament. He was placed right aside Noah and Job, according to the prophet Ezekiel. Oh yeah, that's that's some That's some serious uh, 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 names to have on your list. You can get your name on the list with Noah, Noah knowing his place in world history, and then Job, the way the Lord used him for our benefit, and then Daniel. Daniel, his name is there. He was punished for praying, but he continued through the punishment and was thrown to the lions, and he conquered that test of being placed with the lion. We'll talk about that just a little bit more. One of his prayers was so important that it was resisted by the quote-unquote prince of Persia. That, 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 That we're going to talk about how that's important in a minute, how you got to persist in your prayers. But God answered the prayer anyway. But this is important too and why I want you to understand why we got to use Daniel as an example. I told you praying, needs to be put in context in the Bible, all right? What's going on in somebody's life when they utter these prayers? What's happening? For some reason, we just see one dimension, we read it on the paper, we don't understand the political intrigue, we don't understand the personal issues that are going on with the person. I think it's instructive for you to understand what folk are going through. And as much as we can glean that from the Bible, it helps us to understand that nobody's standing up, writing down a perfect prayer and issuing it or or offering it to the Lord. These people are living life in hard times. And it's the hard times that's squeezing these prayers out of these hearts and minds. And I guess times like these we're in now can also be considered hard times. And you want to make sure that when you're talking to the Lord, what you're saying resonates in heaven and gets heaven's attention. And so watch this. For nearly 60 years, Daniel served at the top level of a pagan government. He served four different kings in a chief advisory position for four different pagan kings. Well, we'll say Cyrus may not have been pagan at the end. But in spite of the fact that he was working for, watch this now, the man, he was working for the government, he never compromised his relationship with the Lord. Somebody ought to be hearing me this morning. Because some of y'all say, because I work for the government, I can't pray. I can't do certain things. Because you know, they got rules and regulations. I guarantee you that the rules and regulations that you think are restrictive in your workplace were not as restrictive as the rules and regulations. Because I guarantee you the United States government does not have a lion's den, will not kill you if you pray on your job. I guarantee you there are consequences that Daniel had to face that you you don't have to face. Daniel, so named by his parents, his Hebrew name, meant God is my judge. And he lived his life with that as his motto, that God is watching me every day all the way. And so the fact that they named him Daniel testified to their faith in the one true and living God. Can I tell you something? Who your folks are makes a difference. They can lay a foundation for you that's either good, bad, or maybe a little bit in between. But at a certain point in time, they can name you whatever. You got to make some choices yourself. You got to make some decision yourself. And even though they may give you a good start, You can't live on that all your life. Can I tell some grown folk in here, if you're still living on mom and daddy's prayers, then you got to grow up out of that. The opposite of that is this, if your mom and daddy didn't know how to pray, didn't understand what praying was about, didn't know who to pray to, but you've discovered that there's somebody who hears prayer and responds to them, then guess what, not only is it your responsibility, to learn how to have a relationship with that God. But you also need to go back, if you can, and tell mom and daddy what they didn't know. That's your responsibility. But when Daniel was a young man, can I, can I bring some politics in this? And we're in, look, the whole book of Daniel will be instructive. for this message. I'm going to be in chapters 9 through 11, which is too much for me to read for you. But I'll show you the scriptures as I go along in this message. Now, you know, I wouldn't just get up here and talk for this period of time without giving you a foundation in the Bible. And that's important when it comes to learning how to pray to the Lord anyway. But when Daniel was a little boy, the country was under siege. Previous rulers hadn't done as well. These are, these, this, is, this is Israel now. Hadn't done so well, and when he was a young boy, around 13 or 14, Jerusalem that we talk and pray about, I mean, talk and learn about, was besieged, run amok, taken over by a king, you've heard his name before, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh yeah, he came in, he was the king of Babylon. So here we have a Jewish state, here we have a Jewish country that is overtaken by non-believing infidels. And they come in, and when they come in, they plunder the city. That means they tear it up. They take anything that's worth something, including people. Including people. You should know this, Daniel came out of the line of King David. And so he lived in and around the royal palace because of his family's connections which means he was part of the royal cohort cohort of young men who lived and would work in the palace. King Nebuchadnezzar was evil, but he wasn't crazy. He knew that if he was going to bring captives into his kingdom, he needed to take the smartest and the best and bring them as his servants. And so Daniel and a group of other young men who were leaders were captured and brought into the king's service. In Babylon as a young boy. You may know some of the boys after Nebuchadnezzar ransacked Jerusalem and brought in those children, one of them being Daniel, another of them being Hananiah, another being Mishael, and another being Azariah, or you may know them from the Babylonian names that are famous in Scripture. You may know one of them as Shadrach, the other as Meshach, and the third as Abednego. These were Daniel's boys. They grew up together. They were captured together. They depended on one another when they were brought into captivity, and guess what? All three of them were superstars when they were. But even after Nebuchadnezzar captured them, they weren't Babylonian enough. They needed to get destiny, all of the Jewish stuff out of them. So they changed all of their names. They changed Daniel's name to Balthasar, which he rejected and tell you how bad Daniel was, nobody in scripture knows him as Balthasar. They know him as Daniel anyway. That's how bad he was. He, didn't even, he wouldn't even take the man's name that he put on there. That's I told you before, you better watch these nicknames they put on you. Names that don't mean anything. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are the Babylonian names that they were given. But their real names were the ones I told you a few moments ago. And when I was saying them, you didn't recognize them. That tells you the difference between them and Daniel. At any rate, according to Daniel, according to Daniel, they were brought into captivity and they were required to go through three years of training. I call it Babylon University. They had to go through three years of training in order to work in the king's service. Even at that stage Daniel was set out among the rest of them. Not only was he better at his task, brighter than the rest of the Jewish boys, he was better than the Babylonian boys. And he was learning their ways in his re-education process. Let me let me stop there for a second. We have young men, too, who get to a certain point in time, who go to some universities or some places for re-education. This is important now. It's important that when you send your children off, that they have foundation enough before they go to know who they are, or else they will literally lose themselves when they get there and adopt The Babylonian, the infidels method so much so that when they come back to you, you don't even recognize who they are. They've lost themselves completely. They get so confused and they think not just that the the Babylonian way is different, somehow they think it's better. And because it's better, they start rejecting everything that you've told them. Can I tell you, that's a lie that the enemy wants you to believe. You've raised your child in a good Christian home, a Bible-believing home. Make sure they understand not just the belief system, how to defend it, the importance of it, or else because of their youth, because of their immaturity, they may just find something that sways them away from it. And can I tell you something? They don't have to leave home these days. There were some things that we had to leave home to learn. Yeah, I learned some things in Tuskegee I never could have learned uh, up in Birmingham simply because of where I was. Can I tell you, I don't have to go to Tuskegee to learn those things. Now all I have to do is pick up my cell phone. And everything that you wanted to keep away from them is right there in their hand and they can learn it. So be careful which Babylon University you let your child go to. I know you want them to get a high paying job. I know you want them to work in the service of the man. But be careful because the man might just take your baby from you. You might not get them back again. But like Daniel, Daniel was strong enough. Let me tell you how strong Daniel was. When they came in, of course there were different diets for them when they came in, different than the ones that the Jewish people ate. Daniel and the three boys discovered that the diet didn't work for them. And so they, this is what scripture said, Daniel having found favor with his captors. In other words, Daniel was political enough to know how to deal with people that even his enemies respected him. He came to them and he said, there are some things that do not agree with me from a dietary standpoint. Now, if if, if you, his captor, you might look at him and say, who is this uppity dude coming to talk to me about this? But Daniel had such a way about him that he could convince his captors that I don't even want to waste your choice meats, your choice desserts. Just give me these basics Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about because you've been trying the Daniel fast. You've been doing the Daniel diet since he brought it up. It's the same thing. He said, I don't want Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Just give me the basic stuff and you can have the rest of it for yourself. This is Daniel. And he said, if it doesn't work after a period of time, then I'll come back and I'll eat whatever you give me. But if in fact it does work, This is all we require, and of course we know. We know the rest of that, that it worked just fine. He had enough about him, but it also proved another point. It proved to his captors that this was a smart young man. Proved to the king and all the cohorts that this young man had enough about him to speak up not just for himself, but also for his friends. In addition to his physical and educational gifts, Daniel had a spiritual gift. God had given him the gift of interpretation of dreams. Now, people don't think that's a real thing, but it's a real thing. Just last week, I told you about the difference between this world and the spiritual world. Yep, and God has given some people the opportunity to take previews, highlights, forecasts of what can go on spiritually. And Daniel was one of them. It's not something you can abuse. It's not a parlor trick. You can't make money from it but God allowed Daniel to use it in such a way that under certain circumstances, he could interpret what was going on. And that's how he convinced the king that he was in fact, extremely special because the king had been having various dreams and the Lord allowed Daniel to interpret them. Daniel was special, y'all. Every effort was made to make him not be who he was when he got there, and he took every effort in his life to make sure he didn't forget where he came from. And that's important. And so, after he had entered Nebuchadnezzar's service, I want to tell you how long he stayed there 60 years now. Nebuchadnezzar died. Nebuchadnezzar's son took the throne, Belshazzar. He served him. After Belshazzar left, Daniel, um, Darius came to the throne. After Darius left the throne, Cyrus came to the, to the throne. He served each one of these kings, and they left him at the highest power. In fact, one of the reasons he got in trouble, and we're about to go there, he was 80 years old, that's how long he had been in service. Do you hear me? He came in when he was a teenager. He came in after the Jewish people had been held captive. When Cyrus the king came to the throne, Daniel had such favor in the kingdom that Daniel, that Daniel was about to be made the ruler over everything, second only to the king. And of course, those other Babylonian king, lords didn't like that. And so they knew what his habit of praying was. Come on now. They knew that he prayed in the morning, at noon, and in the afternoon every day. Why? Because they had watched him for decades, pray in the morning, at noon, and in the afternoon. And so they went to a weak king and they convinced him to write a rule. King Darius wrote this rule, I'm sorry. King Darius wrote this rule that said, at the sound of the music, you can't pray to nobody but me as the king. Now, you know that was a rejection from Daniel right there. And as it would be, the music played, everybody fell down in reverence to the king, except for guess who? Daniel. Daniel went back to his place, got down on his knees, turned his face to the same place he had turned it for all these years. He prayed to the Lord. And guess who saw it? His haters were right there. They had him right there on live. They were Facebook Live and him right there. They took it right back, right back to the king. And the king was caught with his own words. His own words said that we have got to take. Consequence: If you do not avow me now and pray to me, Daniel, of course, Daniel couldn't do that. And so he, he put him in the lion's den. And God protected Daniel in the lion's den. And some people look at those pictures that come online and they think Daniel's a young man, but Daniel's 80 years old. He's 80 years old when he's in the the lion's den. That's how long he had been working for the Lord. That's how long his tenure had been working under those Babylonian leaders. And God shut the mouths of the lions. That didn't mean they were hungry. That just meant they weren't going to eat what God didn't tell them to eat. And so Daniel stayed there overnight, stayed there overnight, And in the morning, the king ran to see what the result of his sentence was. And nobody in the kingdom was happier than the king when Daniel was alive. He called Daniel out, and then he put the just punishment on it. He said, now go get everybody that accused him, them and their family, and put them all in there with the lions. And that's when the lions had a buffet. They had an evil buffet that morning for breakfast after the king got through with them, But Daniel's whole life, y'all, was characterized by serving the Lord through prayer and by being devoted to him. When Daniel interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar, this is what scripture says, Daniel chapter 4, said the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. This is a foreigner who's being put in charge of all the magicians, all the ones who come and interpret everything, all of the soothsayers, all of the teachers were under Daniel's direction and no doubt answered to him. You can imagine there was a lot of hate going on for Daniel. I want you to notice this is the environment that produced the prayer that we find in Daniel. He was working in a high-power, high-pressure job. And he knew that he had to have the Lord with him in order to be successful. Because the higher he puts you, the more dangerous it is for you. And Daniel grew through those years by staying close to the Lord, staying with him all the way. Every situation brought him closer. And after the lions being in He knew that his relationship with the Lord was such that the Lord would protect him in anything. But let me give you some some tips about what I found in studying Daniel. And I urge you, the whole book of Daniel is good for you. I advise you, put it on your to-do list to read about Daniel. But let me pull some nuggets out so you can understand about Daniel and how he was able to become the prayer warrior that we know him to be. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, read thusly. There's an angel who's with Daniel. Daniel, an actual, an angel. And this is what the angel said. He says, and then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your wor- your words were heard. From the first day, from the moment you sought to understand this, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had been given, your words were heard. He said, and I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia." Now, that sounds different. But let me see if I can give you some right now interpretation. Daniel had been asked by the king to interpret a prayer. The first thing Daniel did when he was given that task was go in prayer, Um, to interpret a dream. The first thing he did was went to pray, praying. But he didn't even go praying by himself. He went and got the three boys that we know of and ask them to join him in prayer that the Lord might give him the direction on it. The Bible says that Daniel prayed for three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. And while he was praying for three weeks he denied himself natural, regular sustenance. In other words, he opened himself completely to what the Lord would have him to know. He didn't even take care of himself physically much during that time, just enough to clear the air. He said, I didn't use many oils and ointments during that time. so here's Daniel completely open to what the Lord is telling him. And for three weeks, he prayed mightily. The Bible says for 21 days, he prayed. Watch this now. And it was at the end of that period that he was visited by this angel who's talking. And the angel said, look, on the first day you started praying, heaven heard you. Heaven heard you, and God sent me to help you. He said, but I've been fighting for the last 21 days with the prince of Persia, which most historians and theologians know to be a euphemism with the evil one. So for 21 days, I've been wrestling with the evil one trying to get to you. And it wasn't until Michael, another of the chief angels, came and helped me that I was able to break free, and now I'm here talking to you, and here's your breakthrough. But watch this now. I hope you hear me. Daniel's prayer was heard on day one. But Daniel never stopped praying until he saw the breakthrough that God wanted to give him. What would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying on day 14? What would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying on day 13? There's a whole lot in this, and I need you to understand. One of the lessons that we got to learn is not just to pray, but to be persistent in our praying. Even though heaven has heard him, until he gets the breakthrough, he needs to keep on praying. So watch this now. Watch this. Walk walk with me, and you need to be writing these down. What are the lessons we're learning from Daniel here? The first thing is you need to start your praying by studying Scripture. All right? Start your praying by studying Scripture. Write this down. This is Daniel. All right? Daniel, chapter 10, chapter 9, verse 2. In verse 1, read this. He said, starting in chapter 9, he said, In the first year of Darius, the son of Aharius, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, to in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years. Understood by books. In other words, Daniel went and studied the script." that God had given what should happen to the Babylonians. Many of us strike out on our own. We don't understand God. We don't understand what he wants. We don't understand what he's done. And we just strike out asking for things without spending time with what he's already given us. Can I tell you that the Bible has enough information on it in it to tell us how God responds to things? And Daniel, the prayer of prayers, tells us that in order to be effective, to be heard, you need to read Scripture so you understand God's ways. In other words, you won't come to him asking for something that's not within his divine purpose, will, or way, if you read the Scripture. Now, people don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that you got to discipline yourself to be a better prayer. They don't want to hear that. No, 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 they don't want to hear it, but I guarantee you if I make it plain for you, you'll never step foot on the football field at University of Alabama if you don't first learn the playbook. I don't care how athletic you are, how much natural ability you have, until you study the playbook, you won't play. Why? Because it's important that you understand the scheme playing ball there. So start your prayer by studying scripture or the Word of God. Reading scripture is the best place to start praying. Now this is not going to be beneficial to me and me teaching you this if you know all I got already. I'm trying to tell you something that's gonna move you to a different level in your prayer life. Starting with prayer. In other words, if you want to get stronger as a prayer, study more. Read more. Because I assure you, you don't already know. I assure you, you're not already that verse in the word that you understand. If Daniel, who was devoted to the Lord all his life, started his praying by studying, then surely that's instructive for all of us. And then the next thing is you need to let Scripture lead you to your prayer subject. See, once you figure out what the Lord is saying in and through His Word, the Scripture will validate and lead you to what you need to be pray- praying for under those circumstances. So if prayer is the train, then Scripture ought to be the rails that it runs on. If prayer is a a train, then scripture ought to be the rails that it runs on. Right there, verse 3, that same chapter, Daniel reads very clearly. He says, so I set my face unto the Lord. I set my face unto the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. In other words, verse 2, I studied his word. I understand what he's saying in his word. Verse 3 tells me, then I turned to the Lord and I set my face through prayer and petition to him. Study before prayer. Study before prayer. The next thing Daniel teaches us, that same verse, same verse. You might not pick it up depending on the version of the Bible you have. If you don't have a Bible that explains things to you, then you need to get one that you understand. I know it might be pretty. I know somebody you love may have given it to you, but if they gave you something that you don't understand, then you need to keep it for posterity, but get you a work tool that you can use. Humility gets heaven's attention. Have you ever seen any arrogant, forceful prayers, folk who demand stuff of the Lord. Humility gets heaven's attention. So we need to learn how to pray humbly and recognize our utter unworthiness before the Lord. We're unworthy to even approach his throne. I I don't care when nobody come and tell you, you a child of God, I understand that. I was my mama and my dad's child too, but there was a certain way I had to come to them. And when I came to them wrong, they let me know real quick, you better remember who you are talking to. And I also realized since I was their child that there was a certain way to go about getting a response from them. And when I came to them wrong, it was almost as if I didn't come to them at all. And it might have been something extremely important. It's no less with the Lord. Look. Chapter three, to be part of it. And said he came to him in prayer and petition and watch these things, fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. In other words, sackcloth and ashes means that I'm in a state of debasing myself, knowing that I'm not worthy to be here. Sackcloth and ashes is a typical response in scripture when someone is trying to rid themselves of the vestiges of this world. They rid themselves of it and show that they are unworthy. Sometimes we see it in a mourning state. Somebody's upset. Humility gets heaven's attention. Can I tell you that the one thing, if you don't want to hear me, then hear this. The one thing that God finds abhorrent is pride. It is the one thing that he cannot stand. Humility is the exact opposite. Of pride and the fourth thing I want to tell you that I learned from watching and listening today to Daniel comes from verse 4 chapter 9 it says I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed O Lord the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands fourth thing I want to tell you is prepare yourself to talk to the king oh there's a certain way you talk to the king. There's a certain conversation you want to make sure you have with the king. And the way you do that is by starting, by praising him for who he is. What songwriter told you to say it to you, because of who you are, we give you glory. Because of who you are, we give you praise. Not because of what I want which is how we come to him, but it's because of who you are. You're worthy of this praise. You're worthy of this honor. You're worthy of this glory. And that's how I start talking to you, and that's why before I come to him in prayer, I need to prepare myself to talk to the king. I talk to to the court jester a different way than I talk to the king. I talk to the queen differently than I talk to the king. I talk to the palace cook different than I talk to the king. Act like you're going to the creator of the universe, the one who sustains life as we know it. Act like you're talking to him. Don't get too familiar with the king. I know, I know, we're, in a, I know we're in a lazy, fair time of life. But sometimes people get too familiar. I see some folk who will get dressed up more to talk to the mayor than they will the Lord. Who will get more dressed to talk to the president than they will the Lord. Who will have a different level of conversation with an earthly ruler than they will the King of Glory. It's important that we understand Who he is. So prepare yourself to talk with him. And in order to do that, number five is so important this morning. Clear the pathway of your heart. Which means I can't really talk to you until I get my heart straight. Because God does not deal with sin. And when we come to him without the filter of the Holy Spirit through his son, Jesus Christ, he's not going to hear us. So we have to confess our sins and take full responsibility without trying to rationalize it, without trying to spin it, without trying to be self-exempt uh, from the sin. Watch this, verse 5 and 6, he said, we have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and have rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and laws. Let, let me give some context to this. Darius is, I mean, uh, uh, Daniel is 80-something years old. He's an older man. The children of Israel have been in exile. The king is now allowing them to come back to their kingdom. King Cyrus is allowing them to come back to their kingdom. And God is allowing them to make that journey, but things seem to be going slow. Daniel has been worshiping the Lord consistently all his life. And still there are some who've been acting in a way that's not in accordance with what the Lord wants. But when Daniel starts to pray for the kingdom, he doesn't point the finger at them and say, Lord, they've been wrong to you. He doesn't say, Lord, they haven't prayed to you. He puts himself right in the middle of the group. He said, we have sinned against you. We always want to set ourselves aside as being better than somebody else, over somebody else. Daniel understands that in the kingdom, we're all just fellows in the same ship. And in order for heaven to hear him, he's got to plead on behalf of his fellow countrymen. And so he must get rid of any sin that's in his heart to be heard by the Lord. And then again, remember that the same God you're praising, the same God you're praying to, is worthy to be praised. So as you pray, remember who you're praying to and fill your prayer with affirmations of how good God has been. Why? Because he deserves it. You're righteous, God, and you've been righteous before. You've shown me here, here, and here how righteous you are. You're good, God, and you know I know you're good because you've shown me how good you are in this instance and this instance. Let God know you know how good he is. Daniel wrote, Lord, you are righteous, but we're covered in shame. He said, you scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, and we and our kings, our princes, and our fathers are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, though. Even though we've rebelled, we have not obeyed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned away refusing to obey you. Daniel knows that in order for the Lord to bless him, he's going to have to fully admit what had been done, why they had been in exile for 70 years, and admit that they're going to do better going forward. And last for this week on Daniel's prayer is never forget who you are and who you're talking to. I've heard too many folk in prayer say we command something in prayer. Come on now we demand something in prayer i I don't know where your power comes from to command heaven i challenge you to bring somebody to me and tell me that you have the ability to make heaven do something no no it's only because of grace that we stand in this place it's only because of god's love that we stand here and if it's not in his divine will we don't have the power to move heaven We don't even have the power to move ourselves without the Lord. Verses 11 and 12 says, therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses have been poured out on us. Everything you promised we got because we sin. You fulfill the word spoken by bringing upon us great disaster. Just as it's written in the law of Moses, All this disaster came upon you. In other words, Lord, you've been true to your word. You told us what would happen if we didn't stay with you. And it's been done so. And now, Lord, we need your mercy now we need your grace now we need your love and we turn back to the one god who carried us out of egypt on like an eagle on his wings that's the god we're turning to that's the one we're beseeching stop going to the lord and acting like he owes you something Stop going to the Lord and demanding that he open the coffers of heaven and give you all his blessings. Remember who you are, and in remembering who you are, remember who he is. Daniel taught us how to pray. There's more we're gonna pull from Daniel, but this week I want you to know that Daniel was a precursor to a man named Jesus. I find so many similarities between Daniel between Jesus. Watch watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. Daniel was shut up because of something he didn't do. And the Lord resurrected him. The evil couldn't get to him. Jesus Christ was shut up after dying of death. Innocent. Innocent. He was shut up. Walled away from everybody just just like Daniel was. And yet when Daniel came out He was stronger than ever. When Jesus came out, he was stronger than ever. We're still learning from Daniel and we're still learning from Jesus because of his sacrifice. The difference between Jesus is Jesus was the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. Jesus was the only one who God gave the ability to rescue us from all the hell that we had set ourselves on a course for. How did he do that? jesus died for us oh he died for us and he stayed dead until heaven was satisfied satisfying god is the way we get his attention can i tell you today if you've never had a relationship with him today is the day now is the time for you to start giving your life to him i know we're not in the same location physically but you and i can be standing right next to one another spiritually I can be holding your hand right now, spiritually, letting you know that we're praying to the one true and living God and asking him to bless us. Do you know him as your savior? Right now, I'm asking you, Lord, to bless all those who are listening to us, seeing us. Bless them such that they know how to call on your name. And then you let your grace fall all over them, Lord. Make them yours. Protect them, keep us. We thank you for loving us enough. We thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray and we ask it all.